Carl, if that's all right. I don't know why you asked that. I'm going to do that. Because if somebody shouts, no, don't get into the word of God, what am I going to do? We're like, oh, sorry, should we have another song? Uh, so I don't know why I did that. Let me firstly talk about last week, um, the weather. I cancelled church, I made a call. I don't know if I made the right call, but what I was worried about, I, I, we have, in Loughborough, we have a, a guy that advises the Met office when it comes to weather. And so he'd been on the phone to me saying, listen, you need to be careful. I had the guys who were in charge of the Loughborough and part of New Springs UK, they rang me twi- or texted me twice to say, really consider this. So do you know what? I might have made the wrong call, but I'll stand there and i say, I think I made the wrong call, but I want you to be safe. You know, I, I couldn't have on my conscience if, if you got hit by a wheelie bin or, or you laugh, but, you know, there's some stuff that's going on. There's, there's, there's people that are dying because of this new winds that have come in, Dennis. So if you want to stone me, stone me. But, you know, all I'm trying to do is love you and keep you safe. So if you've got a problem, it's done now. So next time we have a storm, we'll just come out. No, but I, I wanted to explain that. Nobody's, nobody's been on my back because I cancelled the church. But my highest priority is to keep you guys safe. And um, let's move on. So we've been talking about being a city on a hill. And they're going to put the passage up there in a minute. And I'm going to read this in a second. But I want to ask you some questions. In fact, let me start with a passage of scripture. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. The title of the message today is Knowing the Signs of the Times. If you want to take notes I just want to remind you as well that all our services are recorded in the sense of the sermon so you can listen literally within a couple of days online to the message if you've missed it or not been here or want to catch up on it again. So it says this in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father, may God add his blessing onto his work. Now, for the last number of weeks, or well, since the beginning of the year, I've asked you this question. How did you get on this week being a city on a hill? How did you get on this week being light to everyone in your community? And if you've been here a few weeks, if you've listened to some of the messages, you know what I'm really saying here. I'm saying this. How did you get on this week looking out for your community or for your city? How did you get on this week looking out Not just looking out for the community, but praying for your community and city. How did you get on this week speaking life into your community and city? How did you get on this week sharing blessing with your city or community? How did you get on this week sharing the good news of Jesus in the communities and the city that we live in? That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about being a city on a hill, being light in the darkness. In fact, I want to just bring this to you that tomorrow, you remember I mentioned about There was a girl in Redby called Neve who died. Her funeral's tomorrow. Would you pray for the family tomorrow? And pray for the teachers and the the wider community of the school that God would just be with them. I don't know what to pray in these things, but I know he's a God of peace. I know he's a God of love. I know he's a God that can be everything that we need. So please pray tomorrow as that funeral goes on. I want to say this to you again. I keep saying this every week. And I feel this is massively important. I want you to get hold of this today. And you might be saying, Pastor, you've said it and you keep saying it. I I really want you to catch what I'm going to say next now. This church needs you. Point to you. This church needs you. You have something to offer. You can make a difference. This church needs you. 
you have something to offer, you can make a difference. If you give me 30 minutes a week, if you give me seven hours a week, if you give me more than that, whatever you can give the church, I can work with it. Because some of us can only commit to certain things for 15, 20 minutes a week or you can do longer. It's not about how much time that you can give. I want you to understand that you've got a place here. There's a need for you and you've got something to offer. Something to make a difference for this community, for this city, for this church. You might be thinking, I don't know what that is, Pastor. I don't know what I could do for possibly 15 or 20 minutes. There's lots of stuff around this place that needs doing. I'm not just talking about painting. Maybe it's about how we do our social media. Maybe it's, I don't know, but there's lots of different things that you could be part of. And I want you to hear again, this church needs you. You have something to offer. You have something to give. You can make a difference. See, I've mentioned this before, is that John Wimber, who's in charge of the vineyard movement, he, he, part of his vision of what he did, and he's got various things that he do right in vineyard, but one thing he really talks about is that everybody gets to play. And I'm trying to work on how does everybody get to play? How does everybody get to play their part in New Spring City Church? That isn't about you might get to the platform, you might never get to the platform. It might be that you never have a public ministry, but somehow by the time that I retire, I want everybody to be playing because everybody gets to play. The stats say that only 20% of us do the work in the church. I'm on a mission by the time I retire that the church, wherever I am, whatever it looks like, that 80% of the church are doing the work. It's a big task. It's a big call. In fact, there's men who have gone before me and women who have gone before me who can't crack that in their churches. But I want you to understand this morning that you belong, that you're part of us. When I talk about New Spring City Church, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about us. You're New Spring City Church. We've all got something to offer, we've all got something to give. I believe this, that we're strong together and together we can do this. Is anybody with me this morning? Because we are strong together. We weren't created to be on our own. We are created to be together and we are stronger together and together we can do this. Whatever this is, whatever God lays before us, we can do this. Why? Because of him. Because of Jesus. Nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with how great some of our ministries are or what we time with. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Together we can do this. If we're going to be a city on a hill, light in the darkness, light to everyone, we've got to know the signs of the times. And, and I want to share and talk a little bit about that this morning. In Chronicles 12, 32, <clears throat> the scripture's going to come up. It might be different to mine. We'll see. It talks about the men of Issachar. And maybe I pronounced that wrong, but I'm going to say Issachar. You can say it however you want to say it. That isn't important to me. What's important is what comes out from these men. It says this, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. I think this is a fascinating scripture. These men knew the signs of the times and how best to live in the light of them. See, that's a very powerful and important combination. Not only did they know the signs of the times, but they, know, they knew what was best to live in the light of them. As a people, as a church, as New Spring City Church, that is us, as we're positioning ourselves to be a city on a hill, we need to know the signs of the times. It's important that we know the signs of the times. And for me, to know the signs of the times is more than headlines and tweets. 
It's knowing what is significant among the happenings of our world, events and movements, the trends, the ideologies, the current worldviews. In fact, let me put it like this. Let me break that right, right down. It's knowing what is significant in our community and in our city. What's the happenings of our community and city? The events, the movements, what's the trends, the ideologies in this community, in this city? And here's the key to knowing the times and, and, and moving with the times. It's not important what happened in 2019. We need to know what's happening in 2020. Some of 2019 and 18 and 17 affect 2020, I get that. But it's important to know what's going on now. Because if we're trying to catch up from 19 and 18 or wherever it is, we're playing catch up. I believe if we're a city on a hill, if we're bringing light in the darkness, we need to know the signs of the times now. Well, that's a big statement, Pastor. Well, I do believe we've got something to offer. Something different to offer to our community and to our city. There's things that we've done in our community, in our city. We keep doing them and we keep doing them and we keep doing them and we keep doing them. They're not working. But I know somebody who can make a difference, that, that is Jesus. If we get Jesus into our city, into our community, then things, the results will be different. That's what being city on a hill is. That what's been light in the darkness. You see, our church has got a massive history. When the presence of the Holy Spirit fell for the first time in this country and British Pentecostalism was birthed out of that. I know our history. But you know, 1907 is important and we should honour that. But you know what's important is what God wants to do in 2020. We need a new move in 2020. In 2021, in 2022, 2023. Let's not forget 1907, but today is a new day. And God wants to do something new in our communities and in our cities. But for him to do that, he chooses to use us. You may look in the mirror and say, God, how, how possibly could you use me? That's what he specialises in. He specialises in using me and you. In, in, in the Bible, many times he, he used people that were written off. In times of the Bible, he, he even used an ass, it says. So some of us are, should be okay if he could use an ass. Don't know where to look. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Comedy hour already. But if he can use certain things in the Bible, he surely can use you with your failings, with your faults, with your things that you mess up in, with your spelling mistakes. We'll come to that in a minute. God can use you. And do you know what is amazing? He wants to use you. Why? Because you've got a part to play. You've got something to offer. You've got something that nobody else can do and together that we can do this. But we need to know the signs of the times. See, knowing the signs of the times is about knowing what is shaping us, what is forming us, what is moulding us. It's what we can bring and what we can offer to situations. It's knowing like Esther that we are here and we are alive for such a time as this. I do believe that we are here for such a time as this. That you are in your workplace, you are retired, you're doing in the communities and the worlds that you live in for such a time as this. Oh, pastor, that's an easy verse to pull. 
But I believe we're in times where God really wants to use us again. He's never stopped using us. But I believe in this community, in this city, he really wants to use us like we've never been used before. That might be in your giving. That might be in your giving of time. That might be in how you share. That might be in how you use hospitality. Whatever it is, I believe we're in a time where God wants to use us in a different way. Are we prepared to be used this morning? For such a time as this, people say to me all the time, Pastor, when, when would you have liked to have been alive? If you could pick any time in history. Now. Now. Oh yeah, but wouldn't you have loved to have been there with Jesus? Wouldn't you like to have sat at the disciples' table when they had the Last Supper? Would you? Do you know what? What I do know is God's timing is perfect and we're here for such a time as this. There's a reason why we were born when we were born. There's a reason why we're here now. Why? To make a difference, to bless this community, to love this community, to bring light to this community, to bring Jesus to this community. That's why we're here. And that might look differently for every one of us, but together we can do this. You see, I believe we're here for such a time as this. I believe that we've got to be shaped, know what's shaping us, forming us, moulding us. We need to understand what's going on, but I don't believe that's all. The men of Issachar didn't simply know the signs of the times, but they knew how to live in them, in the light of them. That's key. They had a sense of what to think, how to act, and the manner in which they should respond. The role their lives had to play in the light of the moment in which they lived. We need to understand that our lives play a massive key in the moment. By the way that we live and the way that we respond to certain things. Have you? You might have seen that film, Sliding Doors. I'm not saying the film is the best film to watch when it comes to Morion, but I'm trying to teach you the concept of what they did here. In Sliding Doors, you see that there's part of the film where she leaves the house. She's in this great relationship. She leaves the house and she gets on the train. Everything carries on as normal. In the next bit, they do very cleverly, they go back to the original scene where she's with her partner, just leaving the house, and she misses the train. And you see both stories play out. It turns out that she goes back and that her partner is having an affair with somebody else and she catches him. But this starts her life onto a path of something new and something different. And I, and I just want you to understand this morning is that there's things that you do in your life, there's moments in your life, there are sliding door moments. Sliding doors, because that's when the two doors shut. But the sliding door moments, that there's things that you do, there's decisions you make, there's things that you speak into people's lives, there's sliding door moments for them. That that could change the course of their history. I don't know how many times I've said somebody into somebody's life, not me, but the Holy Spirit has used me, and that person says, you don't know that I was going to go and throw myself off a bridge. But your words changed the course of where I was going. Not my words. This is me trying to be a light bearer. This is me trying to do what God has told me. So don't underplay what your words, your actions can do for a sliding door moment in somebody's life. It might be the thing that actually brings them to Jesus by the way that you respond, by the way that you do something, by the way that you say something. We can all be a city on a hill. We can all be light in the darkness. Knowing the signs of the times... And knowing how to respond is a challenge for all of us. I believe it's a massive challenge. But the challenge shouldn't stop us. In fact, we should embrace the challenge of knowing what it means to know the signs of the times.
you want to know the signs of the times and bring wisdom solutions to what we see and the things that we pick up, we need to be regularly asking some of the following questions. This is, and this list doesn't come to an end just because of what I've written. This isn't exhausted by me. There's, there's other things that we can do, but I was thinking about this and maybe we need to ask some of these questions when it comes to what are the signs and the times of our community? What are the signs and times of our city? Now, I keep saying our community before city because it's important that we've got to understand our community first before we can understand our city. It's no good me understanding what's going on in the Ford estate if I don't understand what's going on right at my own front door. What's going on in the schools? What's going on in the businesses? What's going on in the charities that are around? What's going on in people's lives? I can't help a city if I can't help our own front door, our own neighbour. Let's ask some of these questions. Firstly, start off with what is, okay? If you've not got a pen or a notepad, you can catch these online and it's important that you do. And everything that I'm going to say starts with a what is. What is the nature of the world in which I'm living? Or what is the nature, let me put it this way, what is the nature of the community or the city that I'm living in? In Roker, in Fulwell, in Sunderland. What is the nature of the community or city that I live in? This is an interesting one, and this is for all of us to get hold of. What are the challenges of my generation? Now, we're all different ages. Some of us are the same ages, but some of us are from different generations. What is the challenge for your generation? Because if you are challenged by this thing in your generation, in the way that you do life, in the way that you outlook and do stuff... I'm guessing there's going to be other people your age or in your age bracket struggling with the same things or flourishing in the same things. So what, is the, what are the challenges of my generation? All our generations are affected differently. But then what is the challenge? And the question is, not only what is the challenge, what do I do with that challenge? What do I do to fix that issue in my generation? How do we be city in a hill? How do we be light in the darkness? So let me talk to you just briefly about this generation. So Generation Z is a generation that was born between 1993, so the kids that are coming up, and 2004, 2005, Generation Z. Let me tell you about them just briefly. Firstly, they don't know anything past 9-11. Their world is framed from 9-11 and they've seen all the things that have happened in the world. And how their world is framed, this is how it's framed. That our world is broken and that it's hurt and that it needs fixing. That's interesting. If you're a generation before that or quite a few before that, your world isn't framed like that. But this generation also believe that they can fix things. This generation thinks that they are the answer to the problem. This generation, it tells me that this generation loves to be on their phones. That's how they do relationships. Now, maybe some of us think that's rude. But this is how they build relationships. This is how they speak. This is how they believe that they're getting friends. This generation is the generation, is it Greta Thunberg? Greta Thunberg, whatever she's called. Who's marching, who's speaking, who's... 
Why? Because she wants to make a difference. Now, this generation aren't interested in the facts. They're interested in getting things done. So how do we embrace that as a church? How do we embrace that as a people? What age were you boys born at the back? Of course you are. But the point, my point is, that I know these boys are in that generation because they want to solve things. They want to fix things. When I'm trying to have a conversation with them, they're on their flipping phones. So I know they fall into that generation. But my point is, is that every generation is different. But how do we embrace each generation? And the only way that we can embrace our generations is by, there's no point me trying to fix Generation Z, Z, whatever you want to call it. Them boys have to look at how they do that and then help us to understand that. We need to understand the generation that we live in. Because the best person to understand your generation is you. But then the best person to respond to your generation is you. Inform the rest of us and show us how we can do that. Maybe we need to ask this question. Remember, it, it all starts with what is. What's the status of the epic struggle between good and evil, right and wrong? What's good and evil, what's right and wrong in your community, in your city right now? What is it? I don't know. But somebody knows. Somebody knows what the evil is in this community. Somebody knows what the good is in this community. I'm sure if we put our brains together, we could think of that. What about this? What is the direction this culture is headed? Everything that we do in life is defined by culture. You don't, don't think it's a new buzzword around church. It's banged around a lot. But everything that we do is, is shaped by culture. You go to a supermarket for a certain reason. It's not because the apples are cheaper than Tesco's. It's a culture that they've created. You go to a certain restaurant because there's an atmosphere, there's a culture, there's something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Culture's all around us. Culture shapes us all the time. The question is, what's the direction of this culture and where is it headed? What about this one? What is the nature of the world's greatest crisis? Let's break that down. What is the nature of this community, this city's greatest crisis? Let me flag one up to you. Do you know our children's services haven't been great? In fact, we've got some of the worst reports across the nation. This has been happening for a few years. They're starting to get hold of it now. What about when it comes to what we deal with other issues in our city? Isolation, loneliness is massive in our city. But what are we doing about it? How are we fixing the problem? How are we offering a solution? And not everybody's going to buy into our solution. I get that. But we've got to offer something. We've got to do something. So the question is, what is the nature of the world's greatest crisis? Break it down. What is the nature of this community's, this city's greatest crisis? Do you know one of our greatest crises? And I might get shot down for this. Okay, we might as well do it now. Do you know we talk about unity? And where there's unity, God commands the blessing. And this is going to go out on the internet. And there's other ministers in the town that are going to hear this. And they're going to be on my phone tomorrow. We're not united. 
As churches, we are not united. We talk a good game, but we are not united. Because if we were not united, this higher tour, for example, we would be all over it. Because we're trying to reach kids and, and generations that are lost for Jesus. But we're not. When it comes to dealing with poverty in our city, we'd be all over it. When it comes to helping child services in our city, we'd be all over it. Now, please, we're trying our best. But I don't believe that's how God sees unity. Because unity isn't just about me praying for that church across the city that will do well. I believe unity is that we have to be involved in each other's lives. Unity is about lending resources. Unity is about giving gifts. Unity is about praying for each other. Unity is standing for each other. Because that's when God commands the blessing. And we've still got a long way to go when it comes to connect and various things. But that's a problem that we have in our city. We talk a good game, but we're not united. What about this? Ask this question. Well, let's not ask this one. But I want to move on, actually. So the first question actually leads to other questions that we need to ask, actually. If those questions that I've asked, and, and you're thinking, how can we do something about that? What should I respond? Lord, what do we do? We should ask these questions too. Let me throw these in. I've lost my place. So in response to those questions, we should be asking then, how should I live? How should I do life and a life of meaning? How do I do life that has a consequence that impacts and influences the cause for Christ? And more importantly, let's break it down right to the church. How should the church take these questions? It's placed in the vanguard. And I'm going to explain what vanguard means. Why is he using the word vanguard? A group of people leading the way in developments and ideas. That's what we should be. We should be a people that leads with ideas and suggestions. And we should take up the vanguard. That's what it means. So with these questions that I've asked, where it comes to our city, our community... How are we going to make a difference? How are we going to take a stand? How are we going to offer a solution? We can't offer a solution for everything because in the Bible it says, do you know what? The poor will always be with you. Me paraphrasing, which basically means you feed one poor person, you feed the next person, there's always another poor person who needs feeding down the line. But let's try and do what we can do because together we can do this. Together we're strong. Together we can make a difference. I believe that. How do we become this cultural engagement and a missional force? You see, we, we send missionaries across the country, across the world. We need to see ourselves as missionaries in our own backyard. We need to see ourselves as missionaries in, in the streets that we live in, in this community and in this city. What's a missionary's objective? To better the situation, but also to bring the light of Jesus and the gospel. That's what we should be doing in this community. We should see ourselves as missionaries. We need to know the signs of the times. If we're going to know the signs of the times, be a city on hill, be light in the darkness, we need to be among this community in this city. See, Jesus, and I'll do a study on this and I'm going to preach on this over the next number of weeks. Jesus spent a lot of time among people. Among people among people. And it wasn't just the select few. 
Every different kind of person that you could think of, he spent time with. He was among people. He was among people. And if we're going to be a city on a hill, if we're going to be light in the dark, if we're going to see this place grow, we've got to be among people. I'm a big believer and, and I'm not pushing this on you. This is my... But we should buy from our community. We should use the stuff that's in our community. Why? Because that blesses our community. That blesses our city. I don't know if you want to get your meat from somewhere else across the city. I'm not challenging that. But, but there's businesses that need us to step up for the community. There's lives that need us to step up for the community and, and the choices that we make. And I know you could probably go and get your... Your marigold biscuits, your marigold... I don't know what they're called. Your penguins, whatever you want, somewhere, somewhere cheaper. But maybe there's somebody on Sea Road who needs our money. Why? To help this community blessed, be blessed, help this community to flourish. You need to seek the Lord on that. That isn't me having a political thing of saying you must do this. But somehow, we have to bless our community. We have to be light in the darkness. And we need to be among our people. Do you know, when we came to this city, when we came to this church... For our money in Loughborough, the house prices in Loughborough are, rid- are ridiculous. And we could have probably gone across the other side of the city and we could have got a bigger house for our money and a, a bigger garden, all that sort of stuff. But our heart was we wanted to be part of the community where we do church. So that meant we had to maybe sacrifice the drive or sacrifice the extra bedroom, sacrifice the God. And it's not, oh, whoa, look at me, you know, it's a hard life. It's not a hard life. Actually, God's been good to us. But my point is, is that we want to bless this community. We want to love this community. And we can't do that if we live three or four miles away. Now, I'm not knocking pastors that live out of their communities, but I think it's very important to the model of church that I'm trying to be and we're trying to do is that we're very much a part of our community. So our kids go to the school in the community. We try and shop in the community. We try and make friendship groups within the community. We... Why? Because this community is important to us. This city is important to us. And, and, and let me keep re-emphasizing this. Breaking my teeth in for the dog this morning. We can't bless a city unless we bless our community first. Well, that's not right, Pastor, because you can bless a city. No. Because, yes, we can on a bigger scale with other people, we can bless our city. But we've got to look right where we're at. We give hampers out at Christmas and I'm super proud of you guys of how we give hampers out and the money we've raised and the, it's over £2,000 or something that we've raised to give out hampers. And I get told that I can't apply for grants or anything like that because this area is a rich area. Well, how can we give out 34 hampers then? And we could probably give another 34 out if, if we continued looking. But we're being light in the darkness, a city on a hill, making a difference in people's lives. We need to be among our community, among our city. We need to be walking. You see, Jesus liked to walk a lot, didn't he? Among people. We need to be listening to what's going on in our community. We need to be understanding our community. It's no good saying, I didn't vote for that person. Too late. That person, whoever that is, and I'd know if I started to rack my brain. But whoever's in charge of this community, whoever the MP is, whoever the councillor is, if you voted for them, yes or no, it doesn't really matter, but you can be praying for them. 
You can be listening to what they're struggling with what, because they're listening to what people are struggling with. Might not agree with all their campaigns. I'm not saying you should get behind all their campaigns. But maybe we need to get behind them. It says in the Word of God we need to pray for them. It says in the Word of God that we, we need to build them up. And I want us to understand this. And I'm going to shut up in a minute. We've got to get a heart that's about, it's not us and them, them and us, us and them. We're all in this together. In our community, there's people who are hurting, there's people who are desperate, there's people who need Jesus. There's people who need an arm put around them. There's people that just need a coffee. We're in this together. Somebody told me this story. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. We carry Jesus. We need to be making a difference in that boat. I was reading this book and I'm reading this book. I'm challenged and I'm going to finish here. As a pastor of Vineyard called Alan Scott, he used to be an Elam pastor and somehow we couldn't hold on to him. And he's become a vineyard pastor and he's seen lots of communities change and churches grow to ridiculous numbers. And he's written this book called Scattered Servants. And before you think, oh, what's he talking about, scattered servants? Does that mean we're all over the place doing our own thing? His point of the book is, is that we are supposed to be sent out from the church to be scattered. Not doing our own thing as mavericks, but doing what the Holy Spirit has put on our hearts. And when we are scattered servants, making a difference, bringing light to the darkness, that's what eventually grows the church. Because our community is being changed by you being light, being scattered. He, he shares testimonies. And, and we do this. You hear me talk a lot about next to the frozen peas in Liddles. You go about, you pray for something. This is what scattered servants is about. is being full of the Holy Spirit and in your workplace, in that place that you make a difference, in that place where you show up that you're letting Jesus come in somehow. It's great, I hear testimony. Some of you send me texts. Gordon sends me texts of how in that split sliding door second, he says somebody into somebody's life or he says something or he prays for somebody and before he knows that, that moment could have passed. He's also shared moments where he's missed the chance, missed the opportunity, but God's a good God. He brings opportunities back around all the time. But that's about being a scattered servant. Seeing how do you get to play? By becoming a scattered servant. By taking the light of Jesus. By taking the difference that he's made in your life. And if he hasn't made a difference in your life, he wants to make a difference in your life. And he wants to get to know you because it's a game changer. But taking Jesus, the best you know how, into that community, into that city, into that school, into that workplace, into that whatever it is. And I think we get evangelism tied around our necks. We make it so difficult. We make it so hard. But sometimes it's about just buying somebody lunch. Yeah, there's a point we need to share Jesus. There's a point we need to actually tell them that. But maybe it's about buying somebody lunch and just showing them love for that moment. Maybe it's about just buying them a coffee, putting your arm around them and saying, do you know what? I know you messed up, but we're still with you. 
Because I believe that if we're scattered servants like that, that actually we have opportunity to talk about Jesus. To share the light of Jesus. And ultimately it's Jesus that can change our lives. So I want to challenge you this week. What does it look like to, to know the signs of the times? What does it look like to be a city on a hill? To be light in the darkness? To be scattered servants? I want to encourage you. I want to charge you that I'm sending you out to be scattered servants. Not mavericks. Scattered servants. That situations that you walk into, you can make a difference for the kingdom of God. That you might just speak up, you might just do something that is a sliding door moment in somebody's life that changes them for the better. I'm charging you to be scattered servants. Hear me. I'm not charging you to be mavericks. I'm charging you to be scattered servants, to get into the worlds that only you can influence. There's, there's places you go, I can't go. There's places you do and do the things that you... I'm never going to be in those worlds. And there's places I go and things like... You're never going to be in those worlds. But we can be these scattered servants, sharing the light of Jesus, making a difference in the darkness. I'm going to just leave you with this. This is what Alan Scott wrote in his book. I, I, and I'm really trying to get hold of this. This is what he writes. He puts this, There is a longing in the heart of God that his church would not only be a refuge from the city, but also a refuge for the city itself. Let me say that again. There's a longing in the heart of God that his church would not only be a refuge from the city, but also a refuge for the city itself. That's going to take some time and thinking to get that round your head. We're a city on a hill. We're light in the darkness. And it says in that scripture, for everyone, not just the select few, not just for the select few, but for everyone. Hopefully you've been challenged this morning. Hopefully you've been stirred that we can be scattered servants, that we can know the signs of the times. But if you're going to do that, get among people. Walk among people, listen to people, care for people, love people. Just find out what's going on. It's amazing if you just walk down our high street on Sea Road, you can see what's going on in people's lives. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. There's one family over there battling whatever. There's a gentleman over here. There's opportunities all around us to be scattered servants for the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. Father, would you help us this week to continue to be a city on a hill, to be light in the darkness? Would you help us this week to understand the times, not just understand them, but Lord, do something about them, to react in the right way, to live in the light of it, like the men of Issachar. Jesus, that you'd help us to be scattered servants. Servants that are not mavericks, but servants that are full of the Holy Spirit trying to make a difference in the communities that we live in. I ask this now in the name of Jesus.